Hello and welcome to the world according to the knock, the shittiest tornado to hit your life and will have impact on the rest of your life. On this road you will meet the most fabulous people and also some absolute idiots and we are here to help you decipher between the two and make your road a bit more bearable and most importantly to give you some hope. Listener's discretion is advised due to the net sensitive nature of the podcast and the swearing. Welcome to the world according to the knock. Um, <clears throat> this week's episode um, is the Scarecrow. Now, as we know, in The Wizard of Oz, the Scarecrow has no brain. That's not what we're getting at here. He also has no knowledge. And that is why the Scarecrow has been allocated to social services um, because the lack of knowledge around these crimes and around the families is minimal. Um, but before we get onto that, uh, a couple of things. Uh, first thing, really exciting, uh, new project in the works. Um, I'm hoping to have it up and running in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, listen out, look out. Um, I will keep everyone updated, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks, this new project will be up and running. And it is for the community. So that's really good. Um, you know this isn't just me i don't know how many more times i have to say this this is not about me this is about the community this is a joint effort you know i'm just talking i'm just giving all the experience the words of others in the community um and this new project is with the help of others to get it up and running um this morning I was going through Twitter and you know, I don't know if anyone else does this I just sit there and it's like oh let's have a look at this person oh what does this tweet say it was a real big thing about lived experience now everyone in the community has lived experience and uh, I was reading um, some tweets and it was about the fabulous Paula Harriet and someone wrote the, the best words I think I've seen in a very very long time um, and I'm going to read it out and uh, she's just won an award uh, for her trailblazing work on empowering people with lived experience this is the important bit to have a seat at the table rather than being on the menu. That says it all. Why are we not being given a seat at that table? You know, our experiences, our journeys, our stories, 
are being used for whatever the professionals want to use it for. But how about actually talking to us? Actually saying, look, hold on a minute, let's work together. Let's get the help that you need. That's what we want to see. Don't get me wrong, because some are. Not many, but some are. Some are coming to us and saying, okay, let's work together. Here's a seat at the table. Let's talk. Let's get you heard. Because at the end of the day, we all want to achieve the same thing. We want to get that support. And then our loved ones are supported and are then put at a lower risk of reoffending. It's not difficult to work this bit out. It really isn't. So those words just really hit me this morning and it was like, wow, what a way of describing people with lived experience. We are on the menu. So if anyone's listening, get in touch. Give us a seat at the table. Because we really want to. We want to be heard. You know, I know some people, oh, lived experience, what do they know? It's just their experience. Actually, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, with that experience comes a hell of a lot of knowledge. Especially a few of us that don't know just about our experiences we know many others you know we've helped them through their journeys we've got all that knowledge which could be put to such good so much good could come out of being listened to being accepted being heard yeah okay I'm going to get off the soapbox because, you know, all we want is people to hear us and to work with us. So anyway, that's that. Let's get on to this week's episode. Um, okay, social services. This is a bloody difficult one and I'm going to be reading out for experiences. I have to warn you that there is swearing. I have literally read it as it has been written and I'm not going to bleep out any of the swearing. Um, you know, I want to read it as it was given to me. Um, but what I am going to do, because they're not pleasant, what I am going to do is give my experience every so often I do but mine in social services does actually need to be heard because there needs to be a balance because they're not all bad um, and my experience was absolutely fantastic with social services um, I was very very lucky and I think in the last, well, now over four years, 
I've only ever seen one other person that has had an experience similar to mine with social services. I learned a lot from my social worker. I learned um, about empathy. I actually saw so much empathy from my social worker. So non-judgmental, so supportive of the whole of my family. Not just me and my kids, my husband too. She wanted to learn, she wanted to understand and she did. Um, we went through a horrendous journey. You know, um, not to do so much with the first arrest, but to do with the second arrest, which I must make very, very clear. Second arrest, my husband was completely innocent of. Um, we were all very much punished for it, and it took me three years many complaints to many many people high up um to then receive an nfa which means no further action he was completely and utterly innocent and my social worker listened and heard she was brilliant um she just took the time she had to build up a relationship with my child because my child had no trust in any of the professionals um, and still doesn't. But she built that relationship with her um, to the point they used to go out for milkshakes. Um, they helped us um, financially, you know, even going out on a day out, you know, she helped fund that through another charity. Um, she fought and fought to get my child therapy, which took 17 months. Um, but God, did she fight for that. And she was always at the end of the phone. And she did everything correctly. Any meetings, I had the minutes from them within a week. Um, her visits were exactly as they were meant to be every 10 days without fail. Before she left one visit, she would make an appointment for the next one, how it should be. You know, none of this, oh, ring up, I'll be there in an hour. None of that. You know, it was all done correctly. And, you know, I actually wrote she was the holy grail of social workers um and uh i actually told her manager that and then it actually got written up in their you know their weekly magazine about her she was ever so embarrassed bless her but when you get someone like that that makes such a difference to your journey it means the world because I will say the journeys that I've seen the hardest part for a lot of people is social services and we just want them to learn but she was fantastic and I miss her and you know we still chat every so often um, to the point sometimes if I've got a difficult, difficult case I will contact her and she'll talk me through what 
can be done and what can't be done legally um which is brilliant so yes there are good ones out there they're rare but if you find one please you know build that relationship with that person because it will make the world of difference to your journey um and you know she learnt from us she learnt so much um about the offenses about families that stay she learnt so much from us and that's what we can do you know we can teach them as they can you know teach us so yeah you know my experience was very good majorities aren't but you know they can learn experience number one at first i was going to walk away i spoke to my partner after he was reminded the tuesday after his arrest on the easter saturday to say i'd be there as a friend but nothing more as much as i still loved him i couldn't get my head around it at this point social services couldn't have been more helpful they signed a social worker assistant to help me with my son till i found my footing on my own plus extra help in place to help with his feeding and bathing as my son has complex disabilities for certain tasks it actually takes two people six weeks into my partner's remand the week before he was due to go up for sentencing i decided that i needed to go to see him and get answers face to face <clears throat> after talking to him i said we would have to take it slowly and he would have to live somewhere else for a period of time but i wanted to see if we would rebuild our relationship and be a family again i went to social services and told them this and they seemed to understand but obviously they explained safeguarding measures would need to be put into place till a full assessment of my partner could take place i agreed to whatever needed to be done and they put together a contract for both of us to sign the basic being that my partner would not come into the village near our home or see our son we stuck to this to the letter my partner went to live with his aunt and uncle i used to see my partner when my son was at school and in respite i'd walk just under two miles out of the village for him to pick me up and he'd drop us in the same place and i'd walk home everything seemed as good as it was going to be under the circumstances then two months after my partner's sentencing my son's social worker did an impromptu visit trying to catch me out saying my partner had been spotted taking the dog for a walk she did didn't elaborate any further but when i said yes he picks us up roughly two miles outside the village and we go to the woods to walk the dog whilst my son is at school a couple of days a week which was roughly 10 miles from where i lived she said i was lying and that she believed the source who lived in the village that they saw my partner walking the dog past the school during break time on several occasions which was utter nonsense my partner never set foot back in the village until after he got 
out of prison over a year later for breaching his orders. I asked who had said they'd seen him and when because it wasn't true and we could actually prove where he was at any given time. She kept calling me a liar so I asked her to leave that she wasn't welcome in my home if she was going to call me a liar without any evidence and I was going to speak to her supervisor to ask for another social worker. She then went back to her boss and said I was aggressive and threatening towards her, that I'd gone for her when I hadn't. I simply asked her to leave, stood my ground, got up and picked up my son walking into the kitchen out of her way to sort out my son's tea as my temper was at boiling point but in no way had I been aggressive or threatening towards her. After that every little bruise my son had they referred him to hospital to check over despite knowing he bruised easily because of his heart condition and was extremely unstable on his feet. They put my son through several undignified examinations for the doctor to say each time they were accidental bruises. They withdrew the help I was receiving in the home, pushing me to breaking point, then started to use my depression against me in an attempt to remove my son from my care. Experience number two. I had a really bad experience with SS. I am a professional and have experience of working with them. I always held them in high regard. They do a hard job and only have the best interests of the child in mind. <clears throat> I would hear others moan about them and think those families must have done something to deserve it. But now, my opinion has changed completely. In my experience, they are risk averse. They don't want to help you or work with you. They want to do whatever makes their job easier, all under the guise of safeguarding, and will go to any lengths to do it. For us, they used their own personal bias and called it professional, asking, why are you with him? He's a sex offender. You can never trust him. They didn't work with us or the other map of professionals who were phoning them to say they didn't agree with their actions. We were lucky to have the support of map of professionals and amazing friends and family who helped us to stay strong. As SS were escalating us and trying to take us to court, we stayed firm in our decision. My husband would be coming home. At the time, it was fucking scary. They said they would take my child and make me lose my job. It made me question everything and still does. But in hindsight, their actions helped us. It brought us closer, made us have tough conversations and work together. It got us an independent risk assessment. One week after the results of this, my husband moved home and they are now wanting to close our case. I am still living with the consequences of their action and the psychological damage it has caused. Not once was I ever supported or listened to, but we are a family and have a future together. Something SS said would never happen. Experience number three. Well, where do I start? Well, here goes. Our dealings with SS on top of the knock a day later, SS reared their ugly head. First, she threatened to remove my children if I allowed their dad back into the family home. 
Not once did she ask how I or my children were, only what I was going to do, as in basically told me to cut all ties. Things went from bad to worse when after my husband attempted suicide, she told me he had done it wrong and proceeded to show me the correct way. What the actual fuck? She then lied about what she had said as I was following his bail conditions for him seeing the children. Luckily for me, she had used a word that I wasn't sure of the meaning I had looked up. Stupid woman. She would appear usually at tea time and comment about tidiness. It got to the point that for all visits, CP meetings, I had a friend present who actually took notes. My children refused to meet with her and actually to date hate even the mention of social work. She blocked the children from visiting their dad inside. A charity called Families Outside were absolutely brilliant and they worked with the prison and us to get visits, much to the disgust of SS. As were Bernardo's, who gave the children an advocate. She would listen to them, especially the oldest. SS forced me to make my children fully aware of the said offence. Yes, they should be aware in order to protect themselves. However, there can be too much information. Again, we had to fight for contact on his release. Initially, it was in a contact centre, which the children hated. SS did offer to take the children to contact, but they said a big fat no, as were afraid she would not bring them home. During one CP meeting, I was informed that on top of the continuous bullying the little one was getting in school, that another child had inappropriately touched in the pants area, but nothing was being done about the bullying or said abuse, as in the words of SS and head teacher, it goes with the territory. A letter of complaints did go into social services after this meeting, but fuck all was done. Um, this lady is actually going through this at the moment, um, and it took a lot for her to write all this um, for me to read out. But I need to give a little bit of a backstory. Um, Two other amazing, wonderful ladies and myself are um, supporting her through this at the moment. Um, her partner was convicted over six years ago. He is no longer on any restrictions, notifications, anything like that. He's not monitored. Um, and she fell pregnant. Um, midwife asked if anyone had any convictions. She was honest, told the truth, and then it all kicked off. Um, the midwife, due to safeguarding issues, informed social services, and it has escalated at a phenomenal speed. Um, it has gone from having an assessment done to then being told that it would go to CIN to then a social worker contacting her out of the blue saying, sorry, that's the wrong decision, going to CPP. Um, during the time of CPP, to, 
up to yesterday, I think she'd seen the social worker once. Um, no assessments have been done, no new information. Um, and they had the ICPC meeting, which is the conference to decide whether to go to CPP. Um, which they decided it would happen and then yesterday social worker rung out of the blue and told this young lady who is due in August that they are now taking her to PLO. Mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> so... Um, as you can imagine, a lot of panic, um, a lot of fear, um, but we are helping her through it and uh, hopefully there will be a, an end to it. There is an end to it and that's one thing we have to remember, there is always an end, <clears throat> but when you're in the midst of it, it doesn't feel like it. So yesterday, very kindly, she wrote her experience so here goes experience number four the involvement of social services for me has been the most turbulent gut-wrenching experience of anything over the past five years the effects that stay with you long after they have made contact once twice and so forth I felt like I've been ripped open and everything I have worked so hard on overcoming to get to where I am now was for nothing. To feel like you're back at day one and feel like you've made a bad decision in staying. From the questions of what you know and understand to feeling scrutinised and every answer unpicked for something ulterior, feeling judged for choosing to stay and starting a family. As the partner of someone who committed an online offence, I have never felt more like a criminal when I have done nothing wrong. Why are social services so focused on us? The word that makes my skin crawl every time of referred to as it. As a first time mum to be and at 32 weeks pregnant, this should be the most exciting and enjoyable experience the joy of shopping and getting prepared for our baby. But knowing there's that dark storm cloud lingering above just waiting to pour down on you. Don't get me wrong. You have to find enjoyment in the small things and try to push what's going on with social services to the back of your mind at times. After all, you still have a baby to prepare for. But for me, there's something unsettling about getting your home ready to bring your new baby to and fearing the unknown. Where are you going home to? Will you be a family? Am I doing this alone? Who can support me if not my, fa my partner? The emotions that come with it from fear and upset to anger and confusion, you wish it wasn't happening. There are days where I want the ground to eat me up, to hide away and not to have to face what is happening just for the day. The worst thing for me is never knowing what is around the corner. Meetings sprung on you, technical terms, policies and procedures. No one can ever prepare you for the intrusion that will bring. It's hard to have hope and see a positive, positive outcome. 
but with the support of some fabulous ladies and all the relevant charities and experts, it has helped hugely. We are not alone. Here are some helpful tips uh, from my wonderful friend, Annie Hope, aka Lost123. Here goes. As hard as it seems, try to remain calm. Try to see things from the social worker's point of view. They don't know anything about you or your children yet, so they will need to collect the information that they will need to make an assessment. Whilst this will feel intrusive and you have a right to ask about what information they collect, it's better to work with them. At the first point of contact with your social worker, write down the full name of the social worker and their contact details, including email and phone. Ask for the name of the social worker's manager and email if they will give it to you. If not, you can usually get this information by contacting the Children's Services Department of the local authority. It is important to know the names of who is dealing with your case and to be able to understand how to contact them. Ask your social worker what assessment they are doing, how long it will take and what the possible outcomes might be. Make a note of everything. Ask what the time scale will be for completion. Find out about the different outcomes to an assessment. This can be anything from case closed to early help to children in need to child protection. There are certain things that social workers can and can't do and certain support they may be able to offer you depending upon what level of support your assessment outcome entitles you to. Research family safety plans. It's a good idea to have one in place for your family whilst a member of the household is under investigation for online offences. If the person is not living in your household, e.g. due to bail conditions or other reasons, and you wish for your children to have contact with that person, you should also make a safety plan. If you would like to be the person who supervises contact, social services will need to be satisfied that you understand risks. Contact the local authority website to find information about their assessment process so that you know what to expect. If you feel that any process is not being followed correctly, raise this with your social worker and their manager in the first instance. You should be given copies of notes from all review meetings by your social worker in a timely manner. You have a right to access information held about you and your children. You can do this through making a subject access request through the local authority website. You do not make this request through your social worker. Anyone in your household over the age of 13 will need to give consent for you to obtain information about them. You can make more than one subject access request during the time that you have social services involvement. Challenge any errors on notes. It's important that things are accurate. Challenge any decisions you don't agree with. It can be traumatic to read through your notes. Things that you have said to the social worker and at meetings will be documented in a factual way. Social services will document any factors that they are considering may be a risk of harm. This is always difficult to read. You might find asking a friend to sit with you when you read through your notes would help. 
make sure that you're on the right frame of mind to do so and that you have time to process what you have read. <clears throat> if you are able to undertake any courses such as a safeguarding or any work with any charities such as circles etc make sure that you give your social worker any certificates and letters to keep on file to demonstrate the learning you have done. You don't have to make any decisions about your relationship. You should not be placed under pressure to do so or made to feel you have no choice. Remember feelings can change and evolve and it's perfectly okay to say you don't know. Where social services close the case before sentencing, expect to have them back again post-sentencing because a statutory referral will be made. Again, work with social services and ask for a specialist risk assessment from an independent assessor to establish whether the person does pose risk or not. It is important to choose an assessor that you want and that social services approve of. The local authority should pay for this if your children are on a plan. The presence of social services in your life can really feel unfair and very challenging. It's important to remember that this won't be forever. There is light at the end of the tunnel and many of us in the community are out the other side and have successfully challenged restrictions put in place prior to and after sentencing. So those are the contributions to this week's episode. And I have to thank every single one of those ladies that did that because that wasn't easy. There's a lot of emotion and feelings in those contributions. And, uh, you know, that could be quite triggering um, and brings up painful memories for them. Um, so I have to thank them from the bottom of my heart um, for trusting me with their words. So anyway, um, Annie Hope has already said a lot about what you should do um, and what should be done um, around social services. I'm just going to add a couple of bits to it um, the most important thing is to remember that they can't just come in and take your children um, that's a process which is legally quite difficult um, they can come in if they come in with the police but the children I do believe can only be taken away I think it's either 48 hours or 72 hours and then they have to be returned um, but that's in extreme circumstances you know we are talking about online offences here um, and unless there is proof that the children I mean actual physical proof that the children have been harmed um, you know, that's not going to happen. Now, sadly, it's the first place our head goes that we're going to lose our children. Um, it's a long, drawn-out, difficult process, um, which I'm more than happy to 
explain to anyone i'm not going to go into massive detail with this but remember that it is voluntary um there's a bit of a gray area around um cp so cin is children in need plan that's voluntary and they should tell you it's voluntary so you don't have to do it now the thing is if you don't do it they could then go back discuss it and then decide to escalate it to cpp which is your children child protection plan um that's a gray area some say that it is voluntary some say it isn't um and that's social workers that are saying that so yet again no inconsistency um but remember that you have a say you have rights and also one thing i i see often is people being made to feel like they are the criminal they're not we're innocent you know i think social services come in and think we're naive and stupid and being groomed i hear that one all the time and god forbid if you say that you're going to stay in the relationship you know um then that's when all hell can break loose um you know they love the word minimizing so just be really really careful with what you say how you say it make sure that any documents that are sent to you go over them with a fine tooth comb anything that is wrong make sure you contact them and get it to put it right because that file on you is there for life so when your children are 18 they have the right to see them my social worker actually wrote a lot of her notes as if she was writing it to my child and the reason behind that is because she said at 18 she can see that file on her um so i want her to read it as if i've written it to her which is lovely how wonderful i'd love to know how many others have done that you know so just make sure that any information in there is correct i would also say make sure like annie hope has said you know get emails get phone numbers try to keep communication to emails after meetings send them an email confirming what was said at that meeting um after a phone call send them an email confirming what was said during the phone call the reason for that is then you've got that back up will they reply sometimes they do sometimes they don't you know luck of the draw really um but there's that paper trail to say look this is what's happened this is what was said and it's there it's documented and you're doing that to protect yourselves um which is so important um also this is another area um which is interesting sorry it's me scratching my elbow um which is interesting is about recording now 
in your own private home, you can record. If the recording is for personal use, it cannot be used in a court of law, including family um, courts. Um, a lot of people do the recordings because they forget a lot of what is said and it's a good place to go back to reference um, one of the cases that I've worked on recently um, it's literally all done and dusted with um, but something has come up from a different side of stuff and she had it all recorded so she could go back and check and reference against what was being said now you know that's good it helps you and it helps especially with like meetings and visits and stuff it all becomes a bit of a blur and you forget things that are said and everything and then you can just take that time on your own listen back to it and go ah yep okay i need to address that Ah, yep okay that was said so it's to help you um as i say in your own home you can record um you can ask if you can record you don't have to and the way i look at it is a lot of people have indoor security cameras i mean we had one because of our dogs um i never told anyone that walked into my living room oh by the way you're being recorded the camera's there it was actually in our safety plan that security cameras were in the home um it was part of our um our safety plan um so social worker was more than aware that it was being recorded because it was on all the time um so it's really up to you but it's just to give you that little bit of backup for to remember stuff because our brains go to bleh, mush <laughs> and it's just a good way of remembering exactly what was said so now it's a lot more complicated social services are a lot more complicated than what i can put into this episode um i've had the privilege of helping many families especially when it's come to social services um and got the best results we could for those families which is brilliant so if anyone wants any help any support anything like that you know there's a few of us that have done these cases that work as a team to help others so reach out you know contact me on twitter private message um or email me you know the world according to the knock at gmail.com email me i'm more than happy to help you know i'm at a stage now where you know i've got some professionals come to me and say oh look i've been approached by you know another lady would you be willing to help yes of course you know we're here to support each other that's what this community should be about is supporting each other and helping each other get to the end of the road um so that's that um on social services we will be doing follow-up episodes on some of the characters 
um, be more detailed. I will be doing exclusive content, which will be behind a paywall um, with, you know, more intense ways of looking at how to deal with um, professionals, um, interviews. There won't be interviews. I say interviews. I will be having guests on. I spoke to a wonderful gentleman this week um, and he will be a guest. I've got another couple of people that want to come along and do an episode with me. So, you know, this is all brilliant. This is what we need. So if anyone wants to be a guest um, about anything, you know, I need to know what topics you want me to talk about. You know, I, I put out um, a tweet yesterday about different things that we're going to be talking about, about finances, about prison, you know, about relationships. Oh, there's so many different topics that need to be spoken about. But you need to tell me what you want to hear. So please, you know, contact me. Um, because I do want to, you know, I want to get your voices out there. And I want to talk about the topics that you want to hear about. So, you know, please, please reach out. Um, on that note, I think we're not far off done, really, for this week. Um, next week's topic I'm actually going to say what next week's topic is because if anyone would like to give me their experiences that would be fantastic next week's topic is about family and friends um, mainly family and friends that walk away um, I'd like to hear people's experiences if people want others to hear what they've been through with their family, friends, you know, loved ones, um, and how it's affected them, that'd be brilliant. So yet again, please reach out. Okay, thank you so much if you've got this far. Um, I hope it has helped. Um, the feedback has been really good about the podcast so far. You know, people feel like, you know, it's a friend talking to them. Um, and they feel less alone and that in itself is massive you know that's what we want to achieve is people to feel less alone um, and feel like that they have got friends out there that want to help and support them so that's it for this week um, enjoy the fabulous weather and uh we will be back next week and take care.